Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, September 15th. It was a monumental day in the tennis world, not necessarily for anything that happened on the court, though I will say today's tennis, delightful as always, and of course we'll discuss it on today's show, but the news all of us will remember coming off of Thursday, September 15th, the announcement that led every tennis publication around the globe and even broke through the mainstream sporting media, the announcement that one of, if not the game's greatest male champions, Roger Federer, announcing the 2022 Labor Cup will be the final ATP event of his career. Now, for what it's worth, Federer did promise in his retirement statement that tennis fans would see him on the court in some capacity in the future. But given the injuries, the surgeries he's undergone over the past couple of seasons, Federer no longer going to be able to continue his pro career. And given the gravity of that announcement, you know we here at Crack Rackets had to convene for an emergency edition of the Mini Break podcast. Listeners can actually go view that podcast over on YouTube. You can find it here on the Mini Break feed as well. It was therapeutic to be able to offer my thoughts not only on what Federer's miraculous and numerous accomplishments on the court have meant, but also his impact as an ambassador for the sport around the globe off of the court. And there's no denying Every member of the tennis community will feel the absence of Roger Federer. There is a beautiful poetry, as the tennis gods so often provide, of Roger Federer, Serena Williams, two of the game's torchbearers for the past four decades, you know, I mean, four individual decades, late 90s, 2000s, 2010s, early 2020s, uh, two ambassadors of the game retiring in the same year, Del Potro, Tsonga, you know, all of these different players announcing the ends of their careers. We talk so frequently about the generational shift here at Crack Rackets. Boy, are we feeling that now more than ever. And again, if you want to hear more about Roger Federer, you need a therapy session as well. Go check out that emergency edition of the Mini Break podcast. My buddy Nate Walrith from Tennis Point joined me to break it all down, talk about some of our earliest memories of Roger Federer, what he meant to our childhood, how we saw his impact manifest itself in our interactions with the tennis community. And again, it's always great to get the chance to chat with Nate, who, by the way, is going to be joining me on this podcast tomorrow for a Davis Cup-centric edition of the show. That's right, folks. I started catching up on all the results, watched the 15-minute highlights on YouTube. Shout out to the accounts who get these highlights up of Rajiv Ram and Jack Sock knocking out Joe Salisbury and Andy Murray to clinch the U.S.'s 2-1 victory over Great Britain. That's right. I am now aware it's two out of three rubbers in some of these Davis Cup ties. No longer the three out of five it once was. Also two out of three sets, not the three out of five it once was. I'm starting to get my information together, folks. My research is well underway, and we will talk about all things Davis Cup on tomorrow's show. But 
as alluded to in our earliest moments of today's show, today's focus of this episode going to be the seven events we've monitored all week long on this podcast. Two WTA 250s happening in Chennai, happening in Puerto Rose. Action continues to deliver the goods. And there are a bunch of fun storylines in each of those events, whether it's the fact that top seed Emma Raducanu knocked out by qualifier Annalena Friedsum. Raducanu heavily bandaged left leg throughout the second and third sets of the match, but she won the second set six love. And there were some lingering issues for Raducanu, or I should say it feels as though there are some lingering issues for Raducanu when she struggles in matches. It's typically for the same reason in each of them, and I want to get into those reasons on today's show as well as Glass Half Full, as always, discuss what Annalita Friedsam did to earn herself the victory. Also, got to talk about Diane Perry, former world junior number one who we've discussed with quite or quite frequently, I should say, here on this show, continues to thrive and is into a WTA quarterfinal in Puerto Rose, her third of the season, Perry, 6-4 and four win over another rising young player on the WTA tour in Anastasia Potapova. Now, it wasn't Potapova's finest day at the office, but part of that was because Perry made her so uncomfortable. I want to explore the ways Perry was able to do so on today's show. Of course, for what it's worth, just to sneak this in in the beginning, if you're looking for a preview of each day's action, head on over to our Cracked Rackets Great Shot podcast feed. Our Ace of the Day segment does exactly that, previewing the best matches of the day. I offer some predictions for each of them as well. Get into the matchups, what catches my eye, what you should block out time to watch if you're going to make time to be a tennis fan throughout the course of the week. So again, if you're looking for preview content, Great Shot Podcast feed is the place for you. We're going to focus on the recapping here on our mini break feed. And so that means talking about all the action in Puerto Rose, in Chennai, the continued success of players like Nadia Podoroska and, you know, Katie Swan, who have had the injury bug bite them at various points of their career, but both playing good ball this week on the WTA Tour. We can look at the 125 as well. Talk about the players who are still alive heading into another championship weekend. Of course, on the men's side, we are monitoring four different challengers happening this week. Going to be a fun finish for us in carry as got a bunch of seeds still alive in the draw. And if not seeds, former top 100 player in tennis, Sandgren, who seems to find his footing, find his health with every passing week. You know, again, want to get into the updated results. Why I was encouraged by Jerry Shang's three set performance, despite it being in a loss to Jordan Thompson today. So we can talk about carry, you know, what's going to be probably the best challenger of the week happening in France. You've got the action in Poland, the action in Istanbul as well. So plenty of ammunition for us here on today's episode. Of course, before we get into it, just want to remind all of you the reason we're able to do this day in, day out because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. And look, Seasons are changing. As you go from the summer to the fall, the gear you need on court changes as well. Maybe it's time to get that new pair of shoes. You've run, you know, you got your a lot of match play in or a lot of time on court this summer. And as such, you now have holes in your shoes. Can't have that if you want to play your best tennis each and every match. Maybe you lost some weight or maybe you got a little more muscular and you're up or down a clothing size and you want to look fit as you head into fall indoor play or – 
again, maybe you just need a new set of strings. Maybe you want to switch up the racket. You weren't satisfied with your summer sessions, whatever it may be. Our friends at Tennis Point have you covered. Tennis-point.com today. Use our promo code CR15 with your purchases. You'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, and best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point.com. The symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into Thursday's action. We'll start, as we have all week long, with the WTA 250 events, and let's start in Porto Rose with Annalena Friedsam, who knocks out Emma Raducanu, comes back from 5-3 down in the first set and earns a 7-5 love 6, 6-3 victory over the number one seed. Do you want to start glass half full or glass half empty? There's a couple different ways we can go about this. I guess we'll start glass half full because that's where we always try to lean here at Cracked Rackets. You look for Freedsome, 28 years old. She reached a career high of number 45 back in 2016. She's 213 in the world heading into this week's play with making the quarterfinals here, her first quarterfinal since 2020 and just the 10th quarterfinal for the 28-year-old in her career at the tour level. She's back up to number 166, which does make life a little bit easier for her moving forward. And look, credit to Freedsome, who's gone about things the hard way here this season. Played a lot of ITF, 60K, 125K level action just to get some wins under her belt. Had to come through qualifying to even get into the main draw in Portoros. Good win over Harriet Dart was down 6-love, 4-1 in her first round main draw match to Elizabeth uh, Mandlick before getting through that. Now three sets over Radakanu as well, facing that early first set deficit. Man, she's a scrapper. And Freedsome's at her most comfortable when she's inside the baseline. Dare I say, and I know this is uh, the figurative phrase, but slapping the ball, just kind of going big and going for her cuts. But she realized that wasn't the play against Emma Raducanu. The play was to make the match physical extend rallies, force Radakanu to have to create offense from the center of the court, force Radakanu to take a lower percentage shot, whether it be an approach shot from not perfect positioning, whether it be following the net forward, uh, following forward to the net, even if Friedsome may have a good look at a passing shot. You know, Friedsome dared Radakanu to say, okay, this match is on your racket, beat me. And with all due respect to Ama Radakanu, she just wasn't able to beat her. On in today's match, and you look for Radakanu, the, the struggles were massive on the second serve. She won just 35% of her second serve points. Now, she made 65% of her first serves, fought off nine of the 15 break points that she faced, but she won a set six love. You look for Radakanu, she was six of 15 on break point chances, freed some only seven break point chances to Radakanu's 15, but Radakanu six of 15, freed some five of seven. You just can't roll over that easily on those break point chances. You have to find ways to manufacture, whether it's a big serve here or a plus one ball there, moving forward, putting some pressure on Freedsome, forcing her to come up with something excellent. It was remarkable to see how different Emma Radicanu played sets two and three. Set number two, down a set after blowing the early lead. She was like, you know what? I'm going for my ball. 
I'm going to play early. I'm going to come to the net. I'm going to pressure Fritza, make her come up with something special. Trust that the pressure I'm putting on her over time will wear her down. And first two games of the second set, both are extended, a couple of deuces in each. Radakan was able to take them both by when she's down break points or when she had game point ultimately. She won each of those points at the net. And again, her willingness to move forward, her willingness to change direction, be aggressive in doing so in that second set, that was the difference and why she was able to run away with it. But in the third, she got tentative again. And credit to Friedsum, who just kept slicing the backhand down the line, attacking the Radakanu forehand, or just down the center of the court, forcing Radakanu to have to create from a neutral position. And yes, again, Radakanu was a little bit banged up in this match, no doubt about it. But Radakanu got tentative in the biggest stages. Gets broken, you know, 3-4 serving in set number uh, three. And just, you know, again, got got broken playing a tentative game. Had a couple of opportunities, you know, a couple of extended 20-shot rallies where, you know, Friedsom was begging Radakanu to try and move forward and try to put some pressure on her at the net. And Radakanu refused to do it and was just a little too tentative. And part of that is a credit to Friedsom. Tracked down a lot of extra balls in this match. But again, the first serve didn't do enough damage for Radakanu and she just wasn't comfortable enough creating from neutral positions. And I mean, you look for Emma Radakanu, this is certainly Certainly a disappointing result for her in Puerto Rose. She's now, uh, you look overall in the year, 14 and 17 this season. She's outside of the top 50, currently sitting at 75 in the live rankings. Now, she needed a win this week, and even getting one win does help her big picture. But, you know, again, playing a player ranked outside the top 200 in Freedsum, you're up 5-3 in the first cruise in the second that was a match she had on her rack and then unfortunately just wasn't quite able to create well enough behind her serve and credit to Friedsum who whenever she did have the opportunity to step up and slap a second serve she took it and big win for Friedsum who again is back into the top 175 into her first tour level quarterfinal in over two seasons you love that for the 28 year old but tough loss certainly for Radakanu in Porto Rose outside of that Radakanu loss you know, I would say, well, I guess did things go to script? Certainly Diane Perry was the underdog according to DraftKings. I picked Potapova to win against Diane Perry in their second round match. And for Perry, ultimately a 7-6-6-4 victory for the former world junior number one Frenchman. I mentioned this multiple times here this week on this podcast, on the Great Shot Podcast, Ace of the Day feed. You look for Diane Perry. She's 21-21 and 21 overall this season, now 15 and 16 at the tour level, despite it being her third quarter final of the year. That said, you look for Diane Perry in her career at the tour level. She played 13 total matches at tour, you know, against the best competition prior to this season that she's played over 30 in a single season this year and that she's gone a pretty respectable 15 and 16 with three quarterfinals, a semifinal under her belt and a lot of that success coming since June 1st, she's made the pivot. She's made the turn. And I would argue that Diane Perry beating Krachikova at the French Open, beating Kanepi at Wimbledon, making third round at both, I would argue this is a breakout season already for Diane Perry. Now, if she wins the title in Portoros, which given the absence of Radakanu and any seeds remaining in the top half of the draw is a very much a possibility now in play for world number one Diane Perry. I mean, 
if she's not one of the breakout players of 2022, you have to circle her as almost a definitive candidate to be that breakout player in 2023. You look for Perry today. She just kept the pressure on Potapova. Potapova uh, offered her plenty of unforced errors throughout the course of the match, but you look for Diane Perry on serve today. She, you know, was able to uh, win perhaps most notably 65% of her second serve points, and a lot of that were missed returns for Potapova. She was aggressive on the second serve return. She converted five of her six break points. Now, she was broken four times by Potapova, but it's worth noting Potapova ranks ninth in break percentage amongst top 50 WTA players this season. So she would be, by statistical measurements, an elite returner. Um, And Perry kept pressure on her. And Perry, anytime she was broken on her own serve, immediately came back and took the return on the rise and did a really good job of utilizing her backhand slice to keep the ball outside of the strike zone of uh, Potapova. And then anytime Potapova threw her junk, Perry, so diligent with her footwork, finds that first forehand. That forehand is an absolute weapon. I've mentioned it before. I've said it again. I'm all in on the upside of Diane Perry. She just has pro weapons and plays a top 50 aggressive game style. She has that sort of athleticism as well. I think she's going to beat Friedson tomorrow. And I think this is a massive opportunity for Diane Perry, if not to win a title this week, because you look on the other side of the draw, Rabakina Haddad Maya still alive in Porteros. One's a Grand Slam champion. The other ranks third in WTA Tour wins this season. A little bit out of her strike zone. Two power players as well who could overwhelm the Perry one-handed backhand. Those are just both particularly bad matchups for Diane Perry. But I'm telling you, when so one of your friends comes to you in the tennis community and says, how about that Diane Perry? Is she a breakout player? You can say, actually, she kind of already broke out in 2022 when you have that inevitable discussion next season. But again, Friedson versus Perry, Sinyakova Paulini, Serenko versus Rabakina, Bogdan Haddad Maya. Those are your quarterfinals right now. Rabakina, a 34% chance to win the tournament, according to Tennis Abstract. Haddad Maya, second at 25.1. They like Katarina Sinyakova to come out of that unseeded mess that is the top half of the singles draw. But that's your action over in Porta Rose, over in Chennai. Um, again, fun week of play. Uh, no top seed as she was knocked out in round number one. Of course, I'm referring to Allison Risk Armitage, but a lot of players have made the most of the opportunities they've had this week. We talked yesterday about Jeannie Bouchard, Linda Fruvertova. How about Nadia Podoroska into her first WTA-level quarterfinal in over a year and a half. Of course, she's been out with injuries for quite a bit of time as well. But credit to Podoroska, whose ranking currently sits at 298. She went and played a 60K a couple weeks before the U.S. Open, made the final there. And, you know, now this week, a good win over Okamura and then a very impressive win over Tatiana Maria, 7-6 in the third today. Podoroska is just a nightmare to deal with physically. Very smooth off of both wings, particularly on the clay court. She's so capable at extending each and every rally that one extra ball. I was thoroughly impressed with the play of Nadia Podoroska throughout the course of her matchup. And look, she's going to take on Jeannie Bouchard. Jeannie may have the firepower advantage, but I mean, again, Bouchard a 50.6% favorite on China, uh, according to Tennis Abstract. 
I don't know. Bouchard's had two kind of gimmies so far in this event. Maria, far more impressive of a victory than anything Bouchard has put together in this tournament. Podoroska going to be her toughest challenge to date. The question is for Podoroska, how much gas does she have left in the tank having to play 7-6 in the third today and Bouchard again tomorrow. So that's a fascinating match. Big hitting Rebecca Marino has played really good tennis here down the home stretch of 2022. She's back inside the top 100, in fact, inside the top 85 by making the quarterfinals here this week. Of course, a decade ago, she was inside the top 50 of the WTA rankings, but a decade later now, you look for uh, Marino, 32 years old this December, still inside that top 100, still get to play those Grand Slam first rounds, play the big events, put yourself in the ball game. Um, shout out to Katie Swan. Always nice to see Swan, who was a former not the number one junior in the world, but was in that conversation of elite juniors. Swan very quietly 19 and 11 this season. And a lot of that success has come at the ITF level. And, you know, she still hasn't played the most matches this year, but you look for her into this pro quarterfinal is Katie Swan in terms of total quarterfinals in her career at the WTA level. Katie Swan, this is her first. Really? This is Katie Swan's first. You know what that is, folks. That's me finding something out and eventually going to turn it into a tweet. So be ready for that, folks. Big result for the 23-year-old as she looks to get back inside the top 175 of the rankings. Uh, Again, looking at those quarterfinal matches, Swan versus Habino, Lynette versus Marino. Nice rhyme there, Alex. Bouchard versus Podoroska, Fruvertova versus Gracheva. Right now, Magdalene at a 34.9% favorite, but tomorrow's matches are going to be jam tight. You know, according to the projections, very, very tight. Bouchard a 50.6% favorite, Fruvertova 53.2, Habino 57.3, even Lynette just a 61.3% favorite over Rebecca Marino. So keep an eye on Shanai tomorrow. That might be the place to watch, of course, over in Bucharest. Nothing too crazy. Really nice win for Yanni. Three sets over Walter to end her run. Good three-set win for Udvardi over Tomova as well. But, you know, right now, Arena Camilla Bagu, your number two seed, 37% chance to win the event, according to Tennis Abstract. After that, it's Meyer Sharif, 24.1% chance. She takes on Marina Zinevska. That match is going to be at least two and a half hours. That's going to be a grind. Uh, buckle your seatbelts, folks. I promise that's going to be on your screen at some point during the middle of the day. But that is your action happening over on the women's side. Let's switch gears now. Talk about our four ATP Challenger events happening this week, of course. You look at the action in Kerry. Certainly was disappointing that Alex Rybakov had to withdraw prior to his round of 16 match with Michael Moe, but... Good win today for Jordan Thompson. Gets a little revenge on Jerry Shang. Shang beat him a couple weeks ago on his way to the Grand B title. Today it was Thompson, 7-6, 6-7, Was down two love in the uh, in the third set. Thompson winning six straight games. Unfortunately for Shang, just kind of fell off a bit physically in the third. But look, man, 17 years old, his weapons are a problem. They're a problem already. His ability to just, regardless of where he is on the on the court, the pace, the depth he can generate. Serve needs a little bit of work, but I love how well he places the ball. I love the action on the ball. He just, again, needs to get a little bit 
uh, more consistent with his first serve locations and just a little bit more efficient with his footwork on the plus one ball. But man, there's so much to like about the 17-year-old. He's had a really nice run at the challenger level to end this season. And again, if he hasn't already broken out, it feels like he certainly could next year as well. I mean, look, the matchups are really good in carry tomorrow, and we're still waiting. I want to see, did Ryan Harrison ultimately win his match against Alex Vukic today? They're going into a third set. I'm recording this at 11.43 p.m., and they're going into a third set. Our Harrison and Chapel, winner of that, going to take on Thompson. That's a tough ask to have to play those two matches back-to-back days. Going to be fun to watch, uh, certainly. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, no. It, Michael Monau takes on yes, uh, yeah. Uh, Yasutaka, excuse me, Uchiyama. Uh, Uchiyama, a 46.3% underdog against Mo. We'll see how healthy Mo is, even though he got the withdrawal today. Kopfer versus Sandgren is fun. Those are two guys who have been in the top 100 for the majority of the past two years. Let's see just how healthy Sandgren is. And then for Fasundo Mina, you know, the top 100 is a calling. You look for Mina right now, currently sitting at 150 in the live rankings, is the 29-year-old. But, you know, making the most of this hardcourt season, just his fourth challenger quarterfinal at a hardcourt of his career career and, you know, inching closer and closer back to that career high of number 129 in the rankings. You've also, uh, of course, got Dennis Kudla on the other side of the net who had slipped outside of the top 100. You look for Kudla currently at number 108 is the 30-year-old in the live rankings. A title run this week gets him back into the top 100. A victory tomorrow gets him back up to number 103. So I believe he's two wins away from re-entering the top 100. But again, that's your action in carry. The real challenger to watch tomorrow is in France. Gaston versus Pair, former top five junior in the world, Adrian and Drive taking on Dominic Team. You know, big serving lefty in Brower taking on Ugo Umber, who's desperate for any sort of victories here in 2022. And you look for Umber, who's had to go play a bunch of challengers, has fallen down to number 139 after being ranked as high as 25 last season. Still 21 and 24 overall in the year, but you look for him over the past few months. Uh, three semifinals out of challengers, uh, now two quarterfinals as well. Ugo's working his way back, and obviously, again, that's a big matchup for him against Brower, and then two other seeds, Beret taking on Goyavchek, uh, fun action in France. In, you know, your other two challengers, Poland, Istanbul, certainly you would lean towards the seeds, Elbot, Ofner over in Istanbul, Novak, Carbeyespeña, Dalbonis, really, I should say, in Carbeyespeña, in Poland, but we'll keep an eye out in case anything funky happens over the final few days. With that said, Again, now's the time to linger, right, uh, on the Pro Tour. Now's when you have your opportunities. End of the season. You still have a couple of months left to build yourself some, you know, solid rankings points and just build yourself a little bit of momentum heading into the 2023 season. So, of course, we here at Crack Rack, it's going to continue to nerd out throughout the rest of the 2022 season. Don't let people tell you that tennis ends its relevancy after the Grand Slams conclude. Of course, again, tomorrow we're switching things up. Davis Cup-centric episode with Tennis Points' Nate Walrath. Very excited for that. We can get into the renovated format. How relevant is Davis Cup at this point? And so much more, of course. Daily picks 
over on the Great Shot Podcast feed. We'll have those Ace of the Day segments Monday through Saturday next week as well. Of course, a shout-out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the fuck of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout-out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>